Views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information on this or other KUCI programs, visit KUCI.org or KUCITalk.org. Hi, what's up? This is Bethany from Best Coast. You are listening to KUCI. Irvine! Welcome to Ask a Leader. This is Claudia Shambaugh, your host. We'll be right back with a wonderful program. Stay tuned with us while you listen to my favorite little interlude I bring you every single week. Good morning. This is Claudia Shambaugh, as promised and mentioned, your host today on Ask a Leader. It's my pleasure today to have on the show comedian Paula Poundstone prior to her appearance at the Coach House on Thursday, October 27th. And on the second part of the show, accompanying me in studio will be Ms. Jeannie Meese, founder and executive director of Agano with Kenya, an organization that avails orphaned young Kenyan women the opportunity to get a college education. But first, before we go to this, let's bring on my first guest, Paula Poundstone. Paula's racked up a lot of firsts in her comedic career. First woman to receive the cable ACE Best Stand-Up Comedy Special, the first woman to perform at the White House Correspondents Dinner, and with her production, Paula Poundstone Goes to Harvard. It was the first time that that elite university lent its name for use in a television show. She is a regular panelist, a delight, on National Public Radio's quick-witted weekly news quiz show, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Paula was recently inducted into the Comedy Hall of Fame and just named to a list of top unconventional people to follow on Twitter. She's been in every medium of the media as she taps into material dealing with the universal undertakings known as motherhood, getting older, and how does she know that she has 13 cats? Coming to us today from Santa Monica is Paula Poundstone. Welcome to the show, Ms. Paula. Hey, thanks so much. I'm so glad you're on our show today. This is such a thrill for me. Paula, you credit your kindergarten teacher, Mrs. Bump, with being the first one to spot your comedic talents. What were you up to anyway? I must have been doing a tight five on Plato. Um, yeah, the, uh, the last sentence, no, the first sentence of the last paragraph in the summary letter written by Mrs. Bump in May of 1965 said, I have enjoyed many of Paula's humorous comments about our activities. Oh, my goodness. Well, I I also thought maybe that your first thing you ever spelled in kindergarten was ad-lib. Could that have been the case? It could have been the case, but i got to tell you, in the first grade, Miss Carter wrote that I was prone to emotional outbursts and my handwriting wasn't good. So, you know, it was, uh, it was an on-again, off-again kind of thing. Well, that's where that the creative talents just can't be fit into those round pegs when you're a, you're a star, right? A star doesn't yeah, fit into yeah. a round peg. 
Well, that's, that's wonderful. That's what it was. Exactly. Well, you've along the way with this whole education theme, you, you've joined up with the high school math teacher, Faye Ruop. Is that how I pronounce her name? Faye Ruop. Faye Ruop. Uh, you put together three math textbooks. She's a high school teacher, as I said. You put together three math textbooks for children, published by Heinemann Press, The Sticky Problem of Parallelograms, Pancakes, Then Can We Be Friends, and You Can't Keep Slope Down. I love that. Whose idea, Hatch? Did you find her? Did she find you? Oh, it's kind of mutual, I guess. Uh, I was bemoaning the fact, I mean, we remained friends. She was my high school teacher. We remained friends since I was in high school. But, uh, well, you know, I was kind of bemoaning the fact to her that there were, uh, you know, no really fun math workbooks out there. You know, there'd be a cartoon character on the cover, but you open it up and there was nothing but math problems in there. So, uh, so we came up with the idea of writing some writing some jokes in there as well and so Faye really was in charge of the math i just did the uh, i wrote the i wrote these stories uh, for them and and set uh, you know made funny word problems and things it was it was very fun to do I, it was it was stretching muscles i don't really have well it's a it's a fine contribution now you've um you continue as the national spokesperson for the Association of Library Trustees, Advocates, Friends, and Foundations, a national network of library supporters who believe in the importance of libraries as the social and intellectual center of communities and campuses, you have a very, de- as a delectable sampling of your wit, Paula, you have a full-throated support of uh, libraries. Can you remember exactly how it's, can I start you out with what you've said? With what I said, you this is I can't, these words. I mean, I want the audience to get it, um, get it all as you packaged it in the past. These are Paula Poundstone's own words about what libraries are about. It's funny that we think of libraries as quiet, demure places where we sh- are shushed by dusty, bun-balancing, bespeckled women. The truth is, libraries are racuous clubhouses for free speech, controversy, and community. Librarians have stood up to the Patriot Act, sat down with noisy toddlers, and reached out to ad- illiterate adults. Libraries can never be shushed. If you haven't been to your library lately, you're overdue. Paula, I think that's great pretty darn clever in my day yes and you've been keeping it up because you've been <laughs> all we uh we have uh, here we live in santa monica california and here in santa monica we have a, a great library and i'm lucky enough to go to libraries all over the country and uh, you know uh i don't know there's a lot of things in there nowadays there's a lot of uh oh they have lectures and classes and clubs and uh they even I, I don't know if they went through with it, but at one point they were going to have a ukulele club in the Santa Monica Library. Um, uh, they have CDs and DVDs and periodicals and, and uh, you know, videos and computers. But you know what? I really enjoy the books. Yes, exactly. And the, in our very fine system here nearby Newport Beach, and we've... Um, We've had them in on this program here talking about the competitive um, creative writing competition, which you've been a judge in, have you not? I have, yes. And you're still doing that kind of work? By the way, it was a miserable experience. Oh, no. I don't like judging. I don't like judging people's work. I I, I, I did it, um, and uh, I tried to do the very best I could, but I'll tell you, man, it was was so hard to do because it was for students. Right. Um, And I just really... I. You know, I don't know. I'm going to say that, oh, you know, I think this was better than that for whatever my reasons were. And, 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 and uh, you know, and then that, that the, 
the, the guy who I said, well, oh, I didn't think that one was very good, he's going to be the one that goes on to be the cajillionaire, you know, writing work that impacts people all around the world. What do I know? Well, um, so I, I did it, and I was honored to be a part of it. But boy, I don't think I—I I, I don't think I would ever want to judge people's work again. But you're there to support that creative talent and give everybody an incentive for their work to be recognized in in participating well, that part in that. Was fun. Excellent, excellent. And we did. Um, it was it, the deadline was just at the very beginning of this month, so um, students had plenty of opportunity to bring trot out their creative uh, juices. So I'm. It's all it's all threading a lovely uh, weaving. Lots of themes in um, what we've been happy to bring out here. Well, um, you're, uh, if you've just joined us, my guest is comedian Paula Poundstone, appearing in, on October 27th at the Coach House in San Juan Campestrano. Well, Paula, do you um, do you have to do anything different with stand-up in OC behind the orange curtain? Is this is this a little bit different demographic than Wait, Wait? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I, I think that the, you know, the people who come out to see, see me uh, have that in common, anyway. They've seen me before and had a good time, and I've been at the coach house uh, a number of times over the years. Or they're coming because, uh, you know, they have a friend who told them they'd have a good time if they came to see me. Or they're coming to see me because, you know, uh, somebody dragged them there. Yep. Um, but so, you know, it's not, uh, you know, it's not just a shot in the dark. Um, and so I, I do think that, you know, we tend to have more more in common and not and, and not less at those shows. And I have the greatest audiences in the world. Back when I used to work with, a, you know, an opening act and a middle act, which I don't do anymore, but when I did, guys would kill to work with me, not because I'm such a stroll in the park, but because they wanted to be able to talk to my audience. Ah, that makes sense. Well, I actually, I want to make a pitch, though, for OC audiences. We're we're pretty hungry for your brand of, of content and humor. And I, I remember when Culture Clash, do you know about them, Culture Clash? Yes, I love culture class. I, me too. And uh, that when they'd come earlier days in the in Orange County, they'd say it was at the second act near at the Performing Arts Center, Costa Mesa, and they were saying, "What is it?" They they said they they like performing here more than Berkeley. And I said, "Of course, you guys. Nobody's here. You're validating what the people in Orange County, uh, you know, there's plenty of us uh, want to hear. So it's um, a hungry audience. I think is probably something that's the, what a, a performer wants to mine. Yeah, yeah, it does make it nice. Oh, I've always had a great time when I've been at this club. Okay. Well, it's on it's a... Th- fun. It has a storied history. Yes. You're not talking about the uh, those poofy hairdo snapshots that line the interior. The- you know, I'll tell you something. Last time I was there, it took me forever to find the place. I had a hotel. My daughter and I, we were lost and lost and lost. And I'd find it, you know, back behind some tire store somewhere. And... Uh, I have a really bad memory. So, uh, you know, go into the place, and this guy who runs the place kind of greets me in this very familiar way. And, and my daughter says to me, Mom, do you know that guy? And I said, no, no, he just runs the place. He's just a nice guy. Uh, and she says, Mom, have you ever been here before? And I said, no, no, I, no, I couldn't have found it twice. And uh, we go into the dressing room, I swear to you, there's an eight by ten of me with my autograph on it saying how much I enjoyed the venue. And I kind of chuckled, and I said, okay, finally I was here once. And uh, then I walk down the hallway. There's another one. Then I'm about to go on stage. Uh, oh. I turn to my right, Mike. I'm telling you, there's a third. Uh. So apparently I've many times just had no memory of it whatsoever. Now I remember. But uh, I don't remember the early visits. But, uh, I, I, you know, the, the truth is I sometimes drive past my house. And well, my I... kids will yell at me and say, well, you're driving past the house. And I turn and say, who the hell are you, and what are you doing in my car? Oh, so no, no, no. I have no. a lot of memory problems. 
Well, maybe I'm thinking the other theory is that you're so in the moment with that special audience that you described that you draw out that in the moment, what I mean, you just think about that and there's not the same kind of memory, you know? It's, you know what? There is a reality to that. That that really is very true. I, every night I go on stage, I, t- uh, I tell myself before I go out, I say, you know, I'm going to remind people to sign up for my, you know, for my email mailing list, whatever, you know. Right. Um, and, you know, it's part of my goofy, stupid business. Um, and so I, I uh, you know, I, I hate that aspect of it. But I say to myself every night before I go, I, oh, boy, I'm going to do, I'm going to remind people tonight to do that, you know. And I'm telling you, invariably I go on and come off, and I've not said any such thing. Totally forgotten every single time. And you're exactly right because I'm very busy, very I'm busy, very focused on who I'm talking to. And uh, my favorite part of the night is I do the time-honored "Where are you from? What do you do for a living?" And in this way, little biographies of the crowd emerge, and I kind of weave, um, you know, what I have to say. Who, through that, uh, I kind of set up these little, I, I don't know, these little mines that are set to go off later. And, and you're absolutely right. It takes 110% of my brain, and I just don't have it for anything else after that. Right, um, right. And, and that's the fun part, by the way. That's the absolute joy of it. The comedy traffic cop right there, live. Live and unplugged. Yeah. I, I'm kind of a, I always, uh, I, I feel like I am a conductor some yes. nights. Yes, yes, yes. I, I sort of bring up the strings and... You know, quiet the horns and keep the rail. My job. Keep the train on the rails. Well, we must remind everybody we're talking to Paula Poundstone, comedian, who's going to be appearing at the Coach House. I'm going to do some plugging for you, Ms. Poundstone. Coach House in San Juan Capistrano. For those of you who still don't know that it's there, it's Thursday evening. Uh, the doors are going to open at six o'clock. She rolls at eight p.m. And the proprietors do post that this show is for all ages. Correct. Your content is good for everybody. I, it depends what you like, I guess. But um, I mean, yes. it's I a. Mean, I, I curse here and there if somebody's gonna. Uh, it's uh, if that's gonna. Uh, you know, people write to me all the time and they go, "Well, can I? I have a thirteen-year-old. Can I bring him to your show?" And I go, "You want?" <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would, uh, I, I say, I think that that's probably up to the individual parent. I, I don't. Uh, I don't think there's anything I wouldn't bring my kids to, probably. Except for something very violent. I, I would rather they not... I don't think they, they probably need to see anything very violent. But in terms of language, I don't worry too much about that kind of thing. Well, with, um, with your insight... And, and, and I, I don't talk... People come up to me after the show sometimes, they go, oh, we enjoyed you so much because, you know, your act is so clean, you don't talk about the sex. And let me just explain something about that. Yes. I don't have sex. Oh. My act is largely autobiographical. I said if I did, I'd talk about it all the time. You talk about your children. You talk about, but it's such, it's such a sharp wit that um, you know it's, it's. I I want I lost my train of thought here. Talk about the memory. It's now. Uh, let's see. Is it a tradition, Paula Poundstone, that you make yourself available after the show, or is that the policy of the house? Oh no, I love talking to the crowd. So after the. After the show, I usually, you know, I have CDs and that kind of thing, but I always tell people, you know, you don't have to buy anything to come up and say hello. I, I, I stick around and sign things and take pictures and talk to people because um, I love knowing the people that come to see me. Well, there's uh, there's lots of products for people to, um, you know, check you out. I mean, you, in a way, you don't really have to plug 
your name anymore. Everybody knows how to get a hold of anybody by running their name, you know, on any search engine. So they know who they came to. They've got your name on their program, for goodness sake, or their ticket stub. And so then uh, they can track you down with all of the articles. I even found that you can look, I can look up Paula Poundstone punchlines on the internet and boom, 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 get wow. them right there. So, but the other important... I may have to do that someday. Oh, no. Well, no. You've been there. You've done that. So you move on to new material that uh, keeps, uh, you know, improving on... Um, what a fine wheel you roll with. So I want for people to know, though, what they may not know as um, as steadily here is that the website, to get more information about the San Juan Capistrano, you can go to www.thecoachhouse.com and find out all that you need to know. I sure Maybe there's a ticket or two left. So, folks, you might want to jump on that. So I know you have an extremely busy schedule, and you've made special time for us this morning. Thank you, Paula, for being on Ask a Leader today. Come on and join us anytime. And, folks, you can catch other of Paula Poundstone's commentaries on NPR's Morning Edition. Her blogs appear on the Huffington Post and 23.6. I don't know what that is. As well as the NPR Opinion page. It's a pleasure. Paula to have you with us today. Thank you so much. It was great talking with you. My pleasure. Have fun behind the orange curtain in a week and a half. Take care. Stay with us, though. Thank you. Well, we are going to be back in just a little bit with Jeannie Meese, but before then, we're going to play a little interlude and do a little bit of bookkeeping. So stay with us, folks. Je suis enchanté. Où est la bibliothèque? Voilà mon passeport. Welcome back to Ask a Leader. As promised, my second guest is Jeannie Meese, armed with an international relations and economics education, an intrepid traveler and volunteer that she is, and mother of two children in OC. My guest Jeannie Meese found purpose as she forged a special relationship with Henry, Father Henry Samaro. Father Henry, born and raised in Kenya and with his master's degree in public policy at USC, had come to know hundreds of orphans and other vulnerable children left behind from the scourge of AIDS and extreme poverty in Kenya. Today, my guest, Jeannie Meese, originally from Atlanta, is the founder and executive director of Agano with Kenya, talks with us here in Studio A about her extraordinary collaboration with Father Henry. Welcome to the show, Jeannie Meese. Thank you, and thank you for having me on. I'm so glad, and we have you on because there's things coming up in the, um, the very near future that people will want to know about. Well, Jeannie, you've gotten a lot done in a short time uh, with the organization. First, tell us about what is the meaning of Agano, the essential piece of your organization's charter. Uh, Agano is a Swahili word, and we specifically chose the Swahili word for the name Agano with Kenya because within 10 to 15 years, we want to move the whole organization to Kenya to be run by Kenyans for Kenyans. So, if we use a Swahili word, it's going to be an easy transition um, to there. Illiterate and an easy one. And when we, I was noticing in the New York Times, the Sunday section, Sunday front page, there was a discussion of a similar idea about hatching the plan with local support, local ownership, local identity, and connection to be successful in a program that's going to turn around an. Uh, 
other intractable problems in that the um, the New York Times was talking about a genital cutting in Senegal and it's it's working and they have people doing people are working at it and it was a similar kind of collaboration as when when Jeannie Mies um, uh, worked uh, worked it out with Father Henry well I'd like for you to uh, tell us um, what are the, what are the steps that you took in putting together Agano uh, with um, Af- with Kenya I'm sorry and um, starting with you um, you had in mind a certain kind of constituent. You had a funding mechanism that you were putting together and a business plan. And tell us what you want to do then in this next 10-year span. We'll start, though, with what was your, your target population? Well, uh, you know, I have I had spent a lot of time uh, volunteering with various organizations. And one of them that really struck with me was Habitat for Humanity. They they ingrain in their whole worth work ethic um, sweat equity, and I didn't want to form an organization where we're just writing checks and shipping them off to Africa. I'd been there enough times to know how intelligent the people were, and I had I had a learning curve that just because there's poverty doesn't mean there's intelligence, and and I was really struck with that. So I put together a plan that um, whatever we give to these young women in Africa, these college-aged young women, they give back to us. So we have a plan that they give, um, we'll pay their college tuition and help them uh, with internships in the U.S. and help them launch careers in Kenya. In return, they will work in community service um, while they're in college. And when they launch their career, they'll commit to five years of paying back into Agana with Kenya, 10% of their salary. So it'll be a self-sustaining model that can be carried forward. And while they're in their career, we're actually going to have them um, working um, to find donors in Kenya. There's a strong middle class in Kenya that I I believe um, is ready and willing to start um, funding uh, programs within the country. Wonderful, wonderful. So with the the funding then, you I mean this is something you've turned around literally within the the last year. So yeah. starting last September, what were your first steps that you took cuz I I want folks to understand you're an example here in what it is to get it get something going. Right. Well, what happened is um I I got this idea last September. Um I've been working with another organization and Father Henry actually supports about 400 orphans and extremely poor children. This past year was the first year that he had a graduating class of seniors. And there was no plan for them after they turned 18. So I did three things that September. I, I found um, 22 friends that would support me, and they became my founding members. And they, they more or less became my boss, so I could report to them and email what my ideas were. And then I spent three or four months writing a business plan, putting this whole model together. And with the business plan, I went out to a number of um, families looking for seed money so that we could jumpstart the organization. And within two months, I'd actually found 10 families um, to donate $5,000 each. And there we were able to, to get moving. And already we've got um, 10 young women in college in Kenya. They're going to schools um, for law, nursing, economics, um, IT, information technology, and um, 
finance. Okay, and these women are from a community that um, a community that he Father Henry for Father Henry came from, where uh, north it's in a a, a ghetto. A, a mm-hmm, slum mm-hmm, north mm-hmm. of Nairobi. Uh, so, southeast, yeah. So, I'm sorry, southeast a, yeah. outside of Nairobi. And then they are then educated in Nairobi themselves. That's where the university is. They're all in the same place. Actually, we, we they go to different universities. We've got them in four or five different universities, depending on what they're focusing on. All in Kenya? All in Kenya, yeah. Yeah, there's actually 30 universities in Kenya. That blows my mind. Yeah. That's how little I know. I, well, I think, I think as we get more people over there, we're going to be... The media has portrayed poverty, and there is extreme poverty over there. But alongside that poverty and inside that poverty, there is an extremely intelligent and ambitious and driven um, uh, sector of people. And that's what these girls represent. They they are amazing. So there's a lot of culling and matching and, and that kind of a thing. So how did those 10 first that first sort of group of students, how do they find the right college and that kind of thing? Does Father Henry have a role in that? Well, or that's the other... Agana would, Kenya would be nothing without Father Henry. I mean, he is a partner in arms, and he grew up in Kenya. He knows Kenya. He knows the culture. And he also understands America. He spent four, uh, three years at USC, and he went back to Kenya to give back, which is exactly what we want our girls to do. Um, he knows, he, he educates 400 orphans and vulnerable children. Um, he's got three middle school, uh, one middle school, it's actually a boarding school, and then um, three primary schools. And then he helps find um, sponsors for all these children to go to high school. So he has the ability to vet all the girls that are going to apply to Ghana with Kenya. And so when they apply to Ghana with Kenya, three things have happened. They graduated from high school. They've passed the Kenya Certificate of Secondary Education with the B-plus or better. Which is a pretty competitive it's, endeavor. I, I couldn't do it. It's, um, it's similar to what they do in Britain. You get one shot, you take one test, and that's it. And um, if they get B-plus or better, they're able to go um, be accepted at all these universities. So we've got these girls that are extremely bright and with zero money and with zero hope because all their brothers and sisters, and we're tracking this, um, haven't been educated, and most of them haven't been. And they're back in the village. Um, Every one of the girls has best friends back in their villages that already have one or two children. Because without the education, there's no hope, and they, they, there's just a pattern where they're married. So already, um, in this first year that that Ghana with Kenya's been around, I look at it as we've already succeeded in, in stopping, you know, ten to twenty um, infants being born into poverty because these girls are delaying um, getting married. They're getting their education. They're planning on careers. And you look at any study on earth, and if you educate the woman, you've educated the family, you've educated the village. And um, that's the track we want these girls on. If you've just joined us, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, streaming live on www.kuci.org. My guest is Jeannie Meese, founder and director of Agano with Kenya, an organization arranging for orphaned Kenyan women to get a college education. Well, it's just amazing um, what what you found out, and I, I we've all read Nicholas Kristof's editorials about where providing for a 
a young lady does have this maximal impact because of the way not only do they lead by example, but their let's say their individual preferences are a, a real long-term proposition. I guess sometimes the men are, when given a certain amount of capital or something, they will they'll use it for some immediate pleasure, and that's not a rag, folks. That's that's a fact. And with uh, but women have a, a longer-term sort of projection of where they take their assets, so that you you've really identified by others' accounts where the strongest suit is in the village, those, those aspiring, bright, bright female minds. So I know uh, um, throughout this remainder of this hour with Together, I know you have many women you've come to know because you've made many trips back and forth um, that you uh, can describe to us. Maybe you can give us maybe a first name and talk about maybe when she became an orphan from AIDS or from what, what other whatever poverty has done to flatten her parents' lives and start with, you know, a little bit of a background of person A, first name, and maybe uh, what is it that she wanted to do when she said, uh, when she applied for her Agano agreement and um, what she enrolled in uh, now. Because I think when you start in a Kenyan university, it's a little bit like a European program. You're you're getting deeper into, a, more immediately into a major as opposed to like a, a general education liberal arts type framework. So could you start, Jeannie Meese, um, giving us, uh, getting us familiar, introducing us to at least one for now uh, of your uh, agreed upon uh, scholars? Okay, only one. Oh, well, uh, we're <laughs> no, we're going to do more than one. But okay, let's but start let's giving, start with one. Give, give, make the introduction yeah. with us. Well, I, I've been, I, some of the girls I've known over the years, because I've been um, working with Father Henry um, through the middle school and um, elementary school for the last four or five years. But my daughter and I, Brianna, who's at UCLA right now, we spent two weeks with, with these Agana with Kenya girls um, in August. In, in Nairobi, out and around? Uh, yeah, in, in and around Nairobi. Um, they actually spend their holidays at Father Henry's boarding middle school because they have no home to go to. So they all regroup, and they've become quite a bond. They've, they're so bonded um, with each other. Let me just give you this one example I'm, because we're ready. <laughs> um, Janet, who you know, she's studying law at um, Catholic University, which has a really strong program in Kenya for law, and um, I just she's kind of like one of those people. She's got so much ambition and drive. She wants to be an MP, uh, which is a member of Parliament. She wants to be. Um, she wants to start a new organization called Again Agano with Girls to start um, as a, a, a junior Agano with Kenya farm team, a farm team for the for the orphans that are younger than than they are. And you know she she g- gathered all the girls together. You know, she's got her constitutional law book that's three inches, and she says, I'm going to read this by next month, you know, for her classes. And I think what struck me the most is so many of these girls, they, they walk this fine line. They are in college, and and you will see their personality take a 180-degree turn when you ask them, if you weren't here, where would you be? And there's a silence, and there's a tear, and there's talk of I'd be on the street right now and I I don't want to talk about it I said well then where do you want to go in the future 
and everything explodes. 180 degree turn yeah. again. Everything U-turn. explodes. You know, I want to start a hospital. I want the doctors to be working for me. I want to start um, this school. I want to start this. And Janet sent me an email after I got back. And, and this kind of encapsulated everything that I'm seeing in these girls. But she says, I've got to tell you about this dream I had. And she dreamt she was the pilot of an airplane flying over the Atlantic to America. And all the Agana girls um, were in the back of the of the plane. And she said, I have no idea why I was um, flying this plane and what this has to do with law. But I, you know, it, it, we were on our way, you know, and it, to me, here's a girl that grew up in extreme poverty with no hope. And now her subconscious has taken over and she's crossing the Atlantic. She's got all the girls behind her. She's, she's got power. Uh, she's, she's got, got turbo power. power. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And I, you know, that just, that just, it just, that, that's what makes it all worthwhile right there. Um, these girls have something you don't see in America. If, if you don't go to college in America, there's so many opportunities. I mean, you can make a ton of money waitressing if, if you want to. There, you don't go to college, you don't have a life. There's no middle class there's is no, what you're saying. Not there's much a of one, one growing, but not, not to start out. Not to start out. And too many of them turn to marriage and lose their husbands, and then they're back where they started. Well, Jeannie Mies, I don't want you to uh, sell that uh, unskilled labor too far here in, in this country. It's, it's becoming a hollowed-out <laughs> proposition. That, that was a compensation I, I, I package, apologize. But, I apologize. But in terms of, though, it's, there, there is... There at least is an interim interim step anyway toward um, a better livelihood that is taken for granted here that doesn't really exist in the Kenyan uh, social economic um, setup there. But so, uh, can you introduce us to another of the the ten first uh, students? Well, Grace is um, amazing. She she was. Um, I'll give you. Oh, here's another example. Um, Pascaline, uh, and she's she is so and hold it. How old warm. is she? They're all eighteen, nineteen. Okay. Um, and she can't talk to you unless she she puts her hand on you. You know, she's just so warm and and so um, oozing with charm. And um, her she actually lives in the slum. And her mom told her she had to um, get a job as a housemaid because they were. She's going not to an starve. orphan. She, she specifically, has Father Henry works with the orphans and the extremely poor. So okay. these are people As whose we parents, um, they have, they're, they're selling vegetables during the day to get the food for that evening. So they're living on a day-to-day existence. Um, so Pascaline was told by her mom, you know, you're not going any further. You've got to go get a housemaid job and be a maid. And she has so many ambitions and so much drive. And... Within the matter, she she met Father Henry. How do you know? Um, she met him through her church, through a priest she knew in her church. And oh, poor Father Henry, he is getting inundated by the networks all around Kenya. Word um, gets out. Yeah, there was. We had an interview. He had to interview four. Um, I mean, we're brand new. He had to interview four people last um, about three weeks ago for our, our last four spots for 2011. And unbeknownst to him, 17 people students showed up at his door and so he had to interview all 17 to pick the four I, I love his vision he is determined to bring in girls from every tribe in Kenya so there's not a certain sect that are coming in it's very strategic so, to do yeah this. so these last four girls were not necessarily his 
um, orphans or vulnerable children. He opened it up and he went he went out of his way to find people in the extreme rural areas where these tribes generally don't get um, to go on to higher education. So um, so anyway, so Pascaline, all of a sudden, I, I was vid- doing a video with her, a in- video interview, and, and she goes, and then, I, I mean, to her, it just seemed like magic. So it appeared like magic to me. She goes, and then on May 5th, I was here. And she looked around, and he, she's at this university. She's studying nursing. You know, she's getting a top-notch education. And she's got a future, such a future ahead of her. She wants to start a, um, she wants to start an orphanage. Every one of these girls um, want to give back. Their, their, their dream is to do as well as they can and in the process bring along all the other people behind them, which is exactly what Father Henry did. You know, he was a village child. He was educated by Irish missionaries. He joined the priesthood. They sent him to USC um, in public policy. He came back and goes, look, I just want to focus on these orphans. And now he's um, helping um, over 400. And Miriam, who's also in nursing school, she in the This is one of your first 10. The first 10, yes. She actually, when I interviewed her, she said, look, you're helping me, but I want you to understand that by helping me, I am going to help many other people here. And I want you to believe that and hear me say that. And you're wow. like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. So it's, very it's, it's very, it gets very emotional. It gets very emotional. While we talk about that, how, how old of a man is Father Henry who's sustaining this incredible kind of uh, He's adventure? in his 50s. He's in his 50s. So he's been, he's been around quite a while. And it, what happened is that during the AIDS crisis, when it was at its peak, one day... In the 90s, wasn't that at its well, worst? Well, oh, yeah, 2000s. Um, in the early 2000s. Right, yeah, right there, late 90s, early 21st century. He had to do um, six funerals in one week and they were all AIDS victims and of these six children uh, six funerals he saw all the children that were left orphans and he said that's it I I can't I can't just sit and watch that so he began building the schools um, outside of Nairobi in the slums of Athi River and he put the schools right next to the slums and so these kids education is free for primary school in Kenya but the, the slum kids can't get to the school you know there's not a bus service it takes money to get there it takes money to be fed to be it takes money to buy your, the books it takes money the education is free but they don't have money for shoes they don't have money for food to go to school so he just plopped it right in the slums and you go there now and I, I want to bring as many trips over there to, to for people to see what he's done because he he is just a miracle worker. And you go there now, and the slums, you know, people that were living in other slums are moving over to the slums that um, where his schools are. An agglomeration effect where yeah. his schools are yeah. located. Yeah, wow. they're all following him. Yeah. And um, he, he well... Um, That's fine. That's fine. Okay. Go ahead. You were saying. Well, he also, I mean, this, the Maasai are going through a transition right now. They're um, mm. a very high-end tribe, um, very intellectual tribe, nomads in Kenya. And one thing's happening is the, the um, urban areas are moving out, growing, so that the Maasai are getting pushed off um, land. And what we're also finding is he plopped a school right in um, a Maasai village. And the Maasai... 
are starting to move, but they're not moving like they were. They're sending the husbands off with the cattle to move, and the, the women are staying behind so the kids can go to school. And then these kids start at this primary school, and then they walk over to his elementary school. Then they finish up at his middle school. They get sent to high school, and then they're on with a gun with Kenya. And again, these people have not been educated, but they're highly intelligent. So once the education steps in, they pick up quick. And they're 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 thirsty. They're really thirsty for for what we offer. Well, I wanted to know how how much religion has a part a role in the kind of education they're getting. Well, you know what the Catholic Church has been has has set up a huge network throughout Kenya, um, throughout a lot of the missionary areas they were in, and they've also provided a tremendous amount of infrastructure that. Um, has always been there. Now, Agana with Kenya is not religious based. And in fact, one of the girls I sponsored through high school was Muslim. And um, the Agana with Kenya board, I made sure every single person on my board was every religion. So I've got pr- Catholics, Protestants, atheists, Buddhists, and I don't have a Muslim. So if anybody is interested, <laughs> I'd like to bring them on board because I'm really close to this girl that um, I sponsored through high school. She'll be starting Agana with Kenya next year. She'll be in the next freshman so, class. So Agana with Kenya is a humanitarian pro- program. And Father Henry is a humanitarian helper. He does not blink at who comes to his schools. And they are Catholic. You know, they can, they can, um, He's got a, you know, you brought up um, the genital mutilation. Yes, he in Senegal. is excellent at not pushing his ideas on other people because we were saying all oh, these Maasai, they're doing genital mutilation. He goes, you know what? That's their decision. Our role is to educate them and let them make their own decision. And what you're seeing, as with education. People the, the peers see, are starting to affect exactly, change. Exactly, and, and that it's and it's got to come. The whole premise of Agana with Kenya is we're bringing up these girls to change um, things they don't like in Kenya. Um, Janet, the the one that wants to be the MP, her her um, hero is this gentleman in Parliament that's anti-corruption. So we're giving them the tools to change Kenya the way they want to or to enhance Kenya the way they want to. And that's our job. Our job's not to to preach or to give our political views or anything like that. We're just giving them tools to take it from there. If you've just joined us, joining me in Studio A is my guest Jeannie Meese, founder and director of Agano with Kenya. As I said before, an organization arranging for orphaned or poverty-stricken Kenyan women to get a college education. It's really, really remarkable what you've been able to do in such a very short time. Um, now, um, you have a gala coming up, and we'll we'll bring that up before uh, we completely finish with the, our um, case studies, your, uh, the, these model women that are coming through uh, year after year. Um, but the, the gala for Agano is scheduled for this November 5th. I believe that's a Saturday. Saturday night. Yeah. And this is going to be at the the um, uh, Shady, Shady Canyon, Canyon Country Golf Club. Club, the co- golf club, golf course. Uh, the details about the event, you can um, contact Martha or Marth at Agano with the Kenya.org. She can help you out with some of the details. The um, cocktails begin at 5.30 and the silent auction and dinner begin at 6 p.m. on November 5th. And um, I, what, do, what 
are you you're looking for people to come attend you're looking for people to perhaps bring some uh, contributions for the um, the auction and what kind of an evening are they going to get a, a little uh, like a, a video loop from Father Henry are they going to get to what kinds of things are they going to well, be actually, presented with yeah a couple of the, well first of all it's going to be fun and <laughs> okay <laughs> and um, I get that from you <laughs> And um, we're we're it's going to be a silent auction and dinner. Basically, what we're trying to raise is money to put these first ten girls into their sophomore year, and we want to add another um, ten into their freshman year. So that's the main goal of what we're raising. Uh, Father Henry will be there. He'll he'll be there, and I've also um, put together a video of the interviews I did with the girls. So you'll it's like the girls are going to be there. You know, you'll get to hear each one of them. Um, more or less say where they're coming from and more than that where they're going because that's what just comes blasting through when you talk to him well maybe that's when we can get father henry on the show if he's how long is he going to be here he'll in be Orange here County? long enough to come see you no oh. problem <laughs> well no it's not about me but uh, you know for uh, any of us will he be going to any congregations to to talk about his model i mean I... there's a few congregations that can learn from him about what it is to Right, to really make change. Actually, one up in LA that um, he may be invited to. I'm going to be taking him to a number of um, companies around here to introduce them um, to look for more funding, and uh, he's going to be meeting. We're we're just going to have a jam packed schedule. Um, the whole time we're here. So that's you've got that evening plan, and so people can learn so much about the organization while they're having a good time, and it's it's a it's a it's a legitimately feel-good story they're yeah, going to be given. You know what? If you go to the website, I mean, if you, if it's something you want to do to meet him, um, go to the website. Give me, send me an email. Give me a call. We Agano put, with Kenya. That's A G A N O with Kenya dot org, and um, we can put something together. It, there's, it, it's very flexible, and he. Ta- oh my gosh, when he talks to groups. Um, it's just so inspiring what's well, happened. We had a taste on this program interviewing Father Senyonjo, Bishop Senyonjo from Uganda, about a, two months ago now, and it was it wasn't live here. I mean, it's live, but it was uh, out of a, a residence in San Diego. But it was just a very, very moving. This is not a condescension, folks, but I mean, a, just an amazing sort of precision and gravitas that he spoke about. The homophobia that he's dealing with uh, that wasn't homegrown, folks, uh, in in, uh, Kampala and around there. So I know there's a few more women that you would like to introduce us that are in that first cohort that you're bringing through Agano uh, with Kenya. Are there a few other women that you would like to mention that you hadn't already had a chance to mention? Jeannie Meese? Well, you know what? The, the 22 founding members are all friends of me, friends of mine. And then we've got an advisory board. Um, again, it's all on the website. Um, phenomenal um, scholars on our advisory board. We're actually talking to a couple universities about picking us up as a PhD project because we want to follow the women. And then the board of directors we've got and the founding benefactors. So we've got a team of about 42 people that are all volunteering their time. Everything we do is volunteer. Well, shout out to Victoria Bernal, who introduced me to oh, you, yeah. an anthropologist here at UC Irvine, who she's watching you. She's she- on the advisory board. She's one. And oh, I'm so lucky. She's. Um, She's now chairman of the African Studies um, National. I can't remember the name of it, but she's she's got a really strong voice in African Studies, and I was so lucky that she became part of my advisory board. Oh, good! And she's she's made many trips, spent a Fulbright in 
in Dar es Salaam or uh, yes, in Tanzania, in Tanzania, yeah. and uh, has made, she's made Northern African women and various revolutionary movements her work. So. Uh, Yes, you and do she have, married an Eritrean, which yes. is even more interesting. Yeah, That's right. He's fascinating. Yes, and he is and a also professor in at science. Chapman. Yeah. So, I, I know if you're listening, you too. This is a, a hats off and a shout out to you. Um, so you've got quite the brain trust, and maybe that's how you could provide such a um, a well healed organization in such a short time, folks. One year. I'm going to remind you that this venture, Agano with Kenya. It was only an idea in September 2010, with and then, then within uh, that time, then she assembled 22. She said founding members created a business plan over the next few months, and by February 10, 2011, that's half a year ago, folks, raised enough funds to put the first 10 girls in college, and received the organization's 501c3 designation. And they've the girls are had started. They're schooling in spring, so they'll they'll go from spring until when to complete their first year. Well, they can go year-round, so we'll just pick the quarters they go. It's basically um, they'll go three quarters and then take a, a summer off or a fall off and keep going. And so some will go back to the orphanage. Some will go Oh, back. they all go back to Mount Olive, the um, boarding school that uh, Father Henry runs, because when the boarding school's out, the beds are free, so they come back and, and live there and work there. And Actually, if their um, if their um, vacations overlap, uh, they spend time tutoring the girls, and they spend time in the kitchen, and they spend time harvesting the vegetables and watching the animals. Because Father Henry's in this Mount Olive is is pretty much created a self sustaining school there, so they're busy. They're and very busy, and that's a model he developed. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Just and, and amidst this scourge of AIDS, amidst this huge public health. Uh, crisis opening up, he's able to ground himself enough to put together this very knowing, sort of revolving uh, brain trust to to keep to keep improving um, those minds that are hungry hungry to be developed, nurtured, and his supported. His visions are amazing, and he's had phenomenal support in Orange County through African Child Foundation, uh, which supports his elementary school um, and uh, middle schools. Well, I want to remind everybody we've been talking with in the studio with, at Studio A with Jeannie Meese, who is the founder and the executive director of Agano with Kenya, an organization ranging, as I said, for orphaned and impoverished uh, Kenyan women to get a college education and give back. And go ahead. You were saying. Yeah, I just wanted to mention, um, and you may be giving me an opportunity. I'm sorry if I, I interrupted. I want you to. Um, just... We've got so many things planned for 2012. Um, we've kind of done the hard work, the business plan, finding the seed money, having this huge gala. But starting in 2012, we want to do a lot of smaller events. We're going to be starting an internship program um, to Mount Olive, and we're going to be holding Kenyan barbecues, maybe a mini film festival. So if people um, follow us on on Facebook, Facebook Agano with Kenya then they'll be kept abreast of everything going on so if somebody wants to uh, not do adventure travel but they want to do purposeful travel they can work with Agano mm-hmm. with Kenya mm-hmm. to arrange that you I mean is there a certain kind of vetting of the the travelers that you have in mind well you know we I don't want to run a travel agent 
No, seat. no, no. So I want people that are totally committed to working um, and ready and ready. And it, and we do add a little adventure travel at the end. <laughs> do they have? I no, want to take a I, trip where we end up in Rwanda. Do they have to be fluent in Swahili? Oh gosh, no. Um, all of Kenya is the education and government system is English, so. You know, that's one of the benefits for us of colonial rule is the Brits taught them English. The only one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. so that's that's remarkable. And again, to remind people that the Agano with Kenya will be having a fundraiser here in Irvine at the Shady Canyon Country Club. It's the gala for Agano, November 5th, starting at 530. And the, uh, the dinner and the silent auction to raise the funds for... Um, all the expenses for um, the, the tuition, and you were talking about laptops is what you were able to, you needed to raise money. You realized that was an essential educational tool for that these students. That we had budgeted for, yeah. So things like that keep coming up, and I don't know, maybe, I don't know if, there, if there's there's a health care kind of a component, or what, or I, I I don't know what other expenses crop up, but every one every, of them. Everything yeah. does. Yeah. So um, that, folks, is a way you can... Um, Double dip, have a good time, have a good learning experience, and uh, find out what you can do with, uh, you know, a a, 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 tra- a very purposeful kind of a travel plan. It's as you said, it's not a you're not a travel agency, but you can certainly show them the way. And maybe are are you looking for particular kind of expertise for the traveler to contribute? No. And right now, I just want to introduce people. And what I have found, like I found with my 22 founding members, is there's talents that people have that bubble up that you've never dreamt of you know so people find where they're useful once they see what's there okay and do people bring their families you brought your family with you there but has that yeah fit? I, I took actually eight eight women two years ago and two of the women brought their daughters so we called it safari and skirts and we went and spent uh, quite oh. a bit of time with Father Henry, and then we took off on a safari uh, for three for three days. So that's why I say there's a little adventure thrown in there, there at is. the same time. Well, you can find out what that more about what that landscape is that defines a, a Kenyan mind, that kind of thing. Well, I think that's all the time that we have for this part of the program. I want to thank you, Jeannie Meese, for uh, being my guest today. Um, she's the founder and co-director, uh, the, the director of Agano, and and I wish you um, the best of luck in all these amazing contributions that you're making, Jeannie. Thank you, and thank you. It was very nice meeting you. Oh, it's my mm-hmm. pleasure today. Well, I want to, before we close, and before I hope Jorge shows up here, um, I wanted to make a few additional announcements for all of you. On behalf of the Occupy Wall movement, Occupy Wall Street movement locally, the Stop the Squeeze, um, Occupy Orange County. Whether or not you live in Irvine, you have an opportunity to sign a petition that would allow law-abiding people to continue to assemble on the Irvine city lawn. Now, um, all the other cities are allowing their people to uh, the right of access. In Irvine, the 99% people's occupation at the corner of Harvard and Alton, that's the city hall, are being dealt with by the Irvine Police Department. And as I said, this is a law-abiding group of people. I spent Saturday with them, and I was uh, taken by not only how distinguished these political activists are, but you know, folks, not just the usual suspects showed up. I saw many, many new faces realizing they have a stake in this movement. We need a right to assemble, and if you uh, would check out uh, for more information about this petition, you can go to the www. 
occupy-oc.org and offer your name, offer your comments, and see who else has joined you in this. And then to wrap things up, if you're looking for the best way to put together a look for Halloween or All Saints Day, today, October 18, is the final day of the UCI's School of Performing Arts annual Halloween sale at their costume shop. The hours will be, these are the last hours, from 1 to 5 p.m., 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. There are only, these are one-of-a-kind ensembles, folks, and the prices are right, so check it out. Now uh, we're going to hope Jorge shows up. Stay tuned for George, Jorge George Georg had a hat with Senior George Rosales. Looking forward to having you next week. Thanks for being here today. 